If I say rough around the edges, what comes to mind for you? Is it words like chipped, uneven, or broken? Well, with this question, we step into an area of our vocabulary that's pretty weak. That is, textual words. This lacking in vocabulary is paralleled when we discuss our emotions and how we feel. Because feelings are chemical responses that we put words to. So is flavor. Usually we only have a handful of descriptive words in our reserve. So we get caught in this weird auto trauma kind of response where we get fearful of being seen lacking. So we never bring up the reality that we need help learning and understanding that there is so much more to say. Texture seems to be the same. Do me a favor. Close your eyes as I teleport you back to your early days in kindergarten on those pastel plastic foam mats when they handed you the toys with cutouts and matching holes to fill them with. This game was to practice hand-eye coordination and to help teach you basic shapes. Though we weren't given squares with rough or flaky sides, were we? But smooth, soft corners. Open your eyes. Baby food. It's blended to hell and back. Smoothies and purees dominate the game. And yeah, I understand babies need help with that whole chewing thing, but... The question arises here, how can we grow up knowing how to appreciate something textually different if all we've been trained for are boiled vegetables and white bread? Negative conditioning in the epic world of texture. For Pete's sake, where did the texture go? And with that, I welcome you to Flavor Quest. I'm your host, Leon, and today we'll dive into why we've had our palates lied to and why texture is one of the most important pillars in the language of flavor yet. Let's begin. When we were growing up, one thing that all of our parents told us at the dinner table is not to play with our food. In fact, they told us just like their parents told them, and most of us will say the same. But I want to introduce the idea that it's time we start playing with our food once again. Loosen up a bit. Play with your potatoes. But what exactly is play? Well... Play is innocent and kind, with no endpoint, just undirected joy. And play is the most connected we can be to our inherited chain of learning. So by playing with your food, enjoying your food, being present with your food, we slowly begin to revise the script that was written for us. When we smile and try new things, we give our brains the opportunity to grow in pleasure. It took our play away, so it's time to find your own groove but I need to explain why playing with your dinner and texture are related. Well, first off, say fuck you to the fork. The idea that we need utensils to eat is silly. We have two perfectly good hands that can be washed just fine. These are what we feel with. We grab and pull and sense what we're putting in our mouths. People ever around the world eat chicken and rice with their hands. Why? Because it makes sense. I want to feel what I'm eating. I want to feel the gristle. I want to feel the crunch. The properly cooked moist chicken pieces of the soft al dente spiced jasmine rice that goes along with it. This idea that we need anything to eat but with our hands seems to be residual colonization tactics to create a divide with the elite and the common folk around the world. Big ideas, I know. But this idea actually lies in the culinary stages of colonization where in the beginning phases of invasion... The local traditions are erased, and the proper way of eating, living, praying, and loving are forced down throats. 
Eating with your hands gives you a chance to experience and describe your food in ways that a fork and knife will never give you. Cut that tie and you've lost the ability to explain what you're feeling. Remember, the texture is on every brick in your temple of flavor, every offering, every chair, altar, and hallway. Texture is all around us. But why is texture important? Well, texture is a combination of many sensations, both on the outside and inside of the body. To quote a dear brother of mine, food is the internal journey and the external trip as well. Food on your table is the end product of so much effort. If we just took a moment to hold our food, recognize our food, love our food, then we can pay respects to the chain of labor that allowed us to be nourished in that moment. If we can clarify why and what makes each texture appealing for us, we'll begin to understand the next layer in this grand culinary discussion. Texture is often passed over, but for some, texture is their livelihood. There are companies solely built for textual development and processed foods. With huge investments and financing from corporations around the whole world, it becomes very scientific. These groups study which foods are more desired by consumers and how the textual components play a part in the split-second decisions as you unveil the snacks and take your first bites. Products are created to preserve components. Additives used to be for modified starch chains, but in recent years, we've begun to desire label-friendly additives, and modified anything seems to be the trigger point for our oversensitive and misinformed consumers. Now, we get extracts called native starches. Native starches are obtained from sources like corn, wheat, potatoes, rice, cassava, and tapioca. These long-chain carbohydrates are insoluble in water and will swell to different degrees, depending on each type and at which temperature, a.k.a. they don't break down in large batches, and they'll keep their fluff or their bite at varying room temperatures. These textural additives create more bounce, chew, crunch, and will hold the shape as time goes by on the shelf. So if the environment changes in regards to heat or cold, the products will hold steady. The multi-billion dollar industry is thriving as we expand our global market and begin to ship items across the world for its sole purpose is to make texture last and break the natural cycles of time. The natural cycles of time, well, texture dies like everything else and things aren't supposed to last forever. For me, this industry and his example of our obsession with surplus, more, more, more. We need to remember that the best texture comes from freshly made food and that's the truth. These industries are trying to create an illusion that the products can match that. Crunchy and crispy are the best sellers. In fact, if your food can hold its shape, is thin, delicate, with a satisfying sound when it snaps, your product will sell that much more. But the truth is, crunchy food gets soft, and it's okay. Because once you move out of the processed and packaged food world, texture begins to diversify greatly. So as we step out of that world, here comes a curveball. What about food that's chewy and gelatinous? Beef tendon and stomach that's been cooked for 10 hours. Noodles made from tapioca starch in a thick gelatinous bone marrow broth. Bouncy fish and shrimp balls served with spicy, sticky, thick, sweetened sour sauce. And my personal favorite, fat, gristle, 
and all of the organ bits and bobs, blood cubes, honeycomb tripe, lymph nodes, brain, and cartilage. All of these share textural components that for some will cause nausea, can make you gag. Thank you to the soft edges on our play toys. This is the trauma that you left us. The truth is that these textures and taste combinations are heavenly. I personally can't get enough of the Jew. In fact, if you ask any of my close friends, it's the thing I crave most in my late night munchy moments. The chew is called by many names. In Italy, there's al dente, which translates to the tooth or to the bite and is connected often to the bite of a perfectly undercooked piece of pasta. In Taiwan, there's Q, which refers to the bounce and satisfyingly springy textures that are often found in boba, fish bowls, or gelatinous, chewy noodles. Q and al dente border the same line, but they're very different. Q is a term with a complicated origin, for it could have come from a few different cultural reference points, but they all represent oddity and what's unique. Q is to Taiwan, like umami is to Japan. A fresh soy sauce marinated shiitake mushroom pan-seared until crispy and caramelized. The feelings that will arise from the earthy, savory, and satisfying meaty textures will epitomize umami. Q refers to the perfect noodle made from the cleanest alkaline-rich water and the perfect flowers dense and starch. It means soft, but not mushy, with resistance on your bite. I guess it's almost the same as al dente, but Al dente refers to the core in your pasta that will continue to cook to perfection once you bring it to the al dente state. It's almost like al dente or Q is a form of food nirvana. And we just need help training our palates to understand and be able to reach the place where we can enjoy them. If food is the internal and external process of fulfillment, nourishment, and time, then understanding why we're attracted to specific textures and what they are gives us the ability to put our food knowledge into more defined rooms in each temple that we visit. That's the message here. Play with your food more. Touch it. Let's reconnect with what things feel like. Track different textural components and cuisines and then start adding them separately to what you make at home. Watch as you start to train a new section of your brain. My thought process goes like this. If someone can enjoy this new thing, I really enjoy it too. Then I can for sure change my brain pattern to appreciate and find pleasure in the new sensations. Understanding textual preferences in different temples will open up your mind to new flavor possibilities. So that being said, you can become a professional chef after listening to this episode if you start trying combinations of new textural sensations. Go order something new. This also translates to sour. Sweet, bitter, spicy, and umami. If there's one already, add another level. Then season carefully to connect the flavor chain with intention. People think because the recipe says add one teaspoon of salt, that it'll be the same for every time you make it. But that's wrong. Ingredients change, and the flavors will develop differently with varying factors. You have to be open to things changing. Do you remember the scene from Ratatouille? where Remy eats a bite of cheese and one mouthful of a fresh strawberry too. After chewing a little, 
He goes into a psychedelic flavor trip as the crunch of the seeds and the sweet mouthfeel from the strawberry warps with the creamy taste of the salt-rich cheese. Umami dances with the sugars and it begins to tangle with the natural acids. A ballroom performance of light and synesthesia then occurs. Now this is what I'm talking about. To see the promised land, you must follow your tongue. Tell me what the forbidden fruit feels like on your fingertips. And never forget how the harvest from the Garden of Eden feels in your mouth. How the pop of each adultery seed on your tongue gives you hope for better days. How the velvety flesh leaves you longing for more knowledge. And how the crunch of the crisp skin grows your understanding of what sensation and desire truly feel like. To know where your next temple of flavor resides, you must follow your tongue and play with your food until you get there, adventurer. The path to greatness is in your hands and in your mouth. Learn how to describe what you hold. Only then will you see where you must go next. But without a doubt, it's time to leave this land and what you know. I'm your host, Leon. And I'm here to tell you, and it's time to begin your flavor quest. Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. And that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams. Because every second of the search is a second's encounter with God and with eternity. The Alchemist. <laughs>